Hey, hey, welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode 36, and we are on chapter two of Philippians. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So in case you are just joining us, last week we started in chapter one of Philippians, and this week we're going to be diving into chapter two. So let's do it. Chapter two, verse one. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. So, I think as Paul starts chapter 2, I think that, once again, he's just reiterating the importance of being one, which is kind of how we began Um in chapter one last week and kind of how we ended in chapter one. So I think we're, we're really seeing this theme um, come into play here of how important it is as um, living side by side and working together for the gospel that we are one in Christ and we act like we're one in Christ. Mm-hmm. Unity is the big The unity thing. is yeah. huge, huge. All right, verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves, and let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, so I think you can read this, and it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's pretty painful to talk about conviction. So we are already seeing, we saw last week, and we're already seeing four verses in this week that humility is a huge theme throughout this letter that Paul's writing. And um, the more I studied this, and Aaron kind of alluded to this last week, and I was like, yes, yes, I'm going to talk about that. But the more I've studied this, the more I have seen humility is a huge theme throughout the whole Bible. And I think sometimes it's one that's kind of missed. Like, I don't feel like we focus on it a whole lot. Um, But it's, it's, Throughout the whole Bible and God in James, it says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, Mm. um, but gives grace to the humble. And when you look at who God chose to use throughout the Bible, it was all people that were super, super humble. Moses, you know, he had his stuttering problem and he was like, God, use Aaron instead. Like he was not proud. He was, he was very humble. And God said, no, it's you. It's you I want. Same with David. When um, they came to David's dad and said, <laughs> and said, you know, show us your sons. And he showed them everybody but David because David was off playing his harp, you know. <laughs> and um but it was David. It was David that God won. It was David that defeated, defeated Goliath. Um, Mary. I mean, that's a huge one. This mm. teenager um, that wasn't even married herself, and God chose to use her. And um, Peter. The list goes on and on and on and on. It, the people that were the most humble were the ones that God chose for these big, huge plans. Mm. And ultimately, to carry out his plan of redemption. Hmm. So it's really, really cool. That's good. And I think we can even look at Paul with that. And it it would seem that he's not humble. If you think about who Saul was before he became Paul, and Mm -hmm. we haven't talked about this much, but he was, you know, a staunch, 
He's Pharisee, a Pharisee mm-hmm. you know, who was attacking and trying to have Christians killed. And and he was probably the proudest of the proud. And yeah. he even says that, like, if you look at based off of the law, like I am the most qualified, mm-hmm. but he's like, none of that matters. Right. And God completely knocked him on his feet, you know, and, and like we've talked about with Lydia and all the um, different characters within this church of Philippi, that, that God can use whatever means he wants to get people's hearts. And that, you know, he, he had to oppose the proud. Mm-hmm. He had to oppose Saul and where right. he was and, you know, make him blind for a few days and, and, make almost force this humility on Paul and Paul sees the benefit and understands the value of it and is therefore trying to put that importance on others of how truly important humility is in our growth to be more like Jesus but also in our ability to share the gospel and advance his kingdom Mm -hmm. yeah and you know I just now thought about that when you're talking about sharing the gospel people don't like to listen to proud people no people like to listen to people that are humble Mm mm-hmm and so I think that's that's a really good point that if we are going to win people to Christ, then we have to be humble because if we're proud, if we're arrogant, if we're conceited, people are not going to listen to it. People aren't going to want what we have No, because people don't want to be that way. Right. So that's a really good point. Yeah. I like that. Very good. Yeah. All right. Verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So when I was given examples a minute ago of people that were humble, I purposely left out Jesus. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that big one. Because Paul was about to address it here, but Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. And I think as we're thinking about our sanctification, which we've talked about a lot, if we're striving to be like Jesus, then humility is a big part of this. Mm. And I was listening to a Matt Chandler sermon, and he was talking about this. He was talking about Jesus being beaten by the same hands that he created. Because Jesus was there at the beginning. Mm. We've talked about that before. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are all there. They're all one. So when Jesus was beaten, when he was hung on this cross, it was Mm. by the same hands of people that he had been a part of creating. Talk about humility. Mm. Like that's, that's to me, like I kind of think about like if one of my kids were to beat up on me and Mm. I were just to let them. Yeah. Like that takes some major humility. Mm. So when we're looking at this, we see Jesus as the prime example of humility and he's who we're striving to be like. So it's just really, really important. Yeah. That's super convicting because I was just telling somebody this story the other day that, um, I don't even, oh, I was putting, this is when the girls were little, well, maybe like three, and I, one of them was yelling at me or something and talking back, so I put soap in her mouth, and then she spit it in my face, Gosh. and I was like, I remember just being like so shocked, and mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what to do right now, and mm-hmm. I remember just being so angry, and I was like, this is, you know, this is how Jesus must have, yeah. obviously not completely, that right. was a big dramatization right. and a big difference, it's a good but comparison. I did not handle it with humility like, yeah. like Jesus did, and that, you know, that is convicting, and we can look at our own lives, and, and hopefully we're growing in this as we're becoming more like Jesus, like you're saying, but, you know, to kind of just check your heart and mm-hmm. see how do you react in those small situations yeah. where your humility is being tested, mm-hmm. and to try, to try to grow in that. Yeah. So verse nine, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name 
so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Donnie addressed this a couple of weeks ago when he was actually talking about the when the church at Philippi was founded with Lydia and the slave girl. And um, he was talking about this um, confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. And he said that that came from at that time in the Roman Empire, they would they would confess Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord. So Paul is saying that someday, like it's not going to be Caesar is Lord. It's mm-hmm. going to be every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's hard to think about right now because we're like, well, n- not everybody's going to believe. But the, but the thing is that someday everybody will see that. Mm-hmm. For some people, it'll be too late. And some people, they will have been wrong. Um, and that's going to be really, really sad for them. But one day everybody will see that Jesus is Lord. And it actually talks about that in Revelation 1, 7. Behold, he is coming on the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I think it's a good point too that he ends that in in verse 11 where he says, to the glory of God the Father, which we drew that note last week in chapter one of, well, why does all of this matter? Why does all of this matter? And then he says, it is to the glory of mm-hmm. God the Father. Just like everything yep. we do should be to the glory of, of God the Father. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of mm-hmm. God the Father. That's what everything's for. Mm-hmm. So moving on to verse 12 through 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I think it's important when we read this, um, first of all, to distinguish working for something and working out something. Um, we've, we've talked about it before, but we do not work for our salvation. We know that we're saved by grace through faith. And Paul talks about this in lots of different, uh, you know, his letters. But in Ephesians specifically, he talks about in Romans. Um, it's not a result of our works, but it's a gift from God. Um So when we think about working out our salvation, like Paul is talking about here, we can think about something that we talk about a lot and we've already talked about in this chapter, but it's sanctification. It's working each day to become more and more like Christ and to bringing that salvation kind of to full fruition, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, You have anything to add to that? No, I think that's good. That's a a good difference, work for versus work Right, right. And also, so we see that he's talking about working it out with fear and trembling. So I've struggled with this a little bit because, um, you know, we see a lot in the Bible not to be fearful. Don't be fear. Do not. Don't be fear. Don't be fearful. Do not fear. Um, For the Lord is with you. All of these places we see this. And like I said, last episode as someone that has struggled with fear you know I see this and I'm it um, gives me reassurance do not fear do not fear but then this verse says work it out with fear and trembling so what does this fear mean well this is talking about fearing God and this is a um, like an awe and a reverence and respect and I've heard it 
I've heard several different analogies to kind of explain this. You can look at Chronicles of Narnia. You can look at Aslan, and it's funny because my kids started talking about that this morning at breakfast. And I was like, oh, perfect. So we talked about fear, and I asked Cadence, I said, when you look at Aslan, when you look at the big lion, like – why were why were they afraid like what did it mean to fear him and he and she said well they just knew that he he was big and he was strong and he could do big things and I said exactly I said were they afraid he would hurt them and she was like no they just knew that he could they knew that he was just big and so um they were standing in awe of this of this big lion but I really like so I heard I've heard the lion you know analogy but then I like this one too so John Piper was talking about picture yourself and this is crazy to picture in Texas I don't even know completely completely what this looks like but if you were to picture yourself on a glacier (laughs) I mean think about it you know a glacier but picture yourself on a glacier and this huge big storm comes and you're able to find this little bitty crevice to go hide in and you're safe but the storm is still blowing like over you and around you but you're safe in this crevice so this is what he says about it. At first, there was the fear that this terrible storm and awesome terrain might claim your life. But then you found refuge and gained the hope that you would be safe. But not everything in the feeling called fear vanished from your heart, only the life-threatening part. There remained the trembling, the awe, the wonder, the feeling that you would never want to tangle with such a storm or be the adversary of such power. The fear of God is what is left of the storm when you have a safe place to watch right in the middle of it. Oh, the thrill of being here in the center of the awful power of God, yet protected by God himself. So that's what it's talking about, working it out with fear and trembling, just that awe and that Mm -hmm. respect and that reverence, knowing that God is our maker Mm -hmm. and he is all powerful. And this, the last part, it's kind of, it's crazy. And Aaron's text back to me about all this was, God is so funny. And it's so true because it really did just make me laugh. But I was having trouble working through this, like this verse right here. What does this mean? What does this mean? And through a really kind of cool series of events. I'm not going to go into detail, but basically this last part for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God made it very clear to us that this is all about his sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Like this is all about that he is in control. He is all powerful and um, it is all about his will. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really good. And I, I love how that he says that it's, it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And this is a verse that I, I um, use a lot when thinking about if I don't have the desire to open my Bible or if mm-hmm. I, someone comes to me and is like, how do you, how do you get that desire to, um, you know, spend time with the Lord? And I, and I come back to this verse a lot because it says, for it is God who works in you mm-hmm. both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's saying that it's it's God. It's God who can give you the will. And it's God who can um, encourage you to do the work for his good pleasure. And that we are, we can use this and we can ask him. We mm-hmm. can say, God, I know it is you that can give me the desire for more of you. I know it is you that can, can help me to see you as most beautiful. And that um, 
it is it is God, like you're saying, that is most sovereign who who gives us the will and the desire to work for his good pleasure and that he delights in us coming to him and asking him for that. And um, so I, I really like that about this verse, that we can use it for ourselves and to pray for others to, to just grow in their desire for him. Yeah. And I mean, it's Paul himself who says, I do what I don't want to do, but I don't do what I want right. to do, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And it, it, I think he's saying here, like, like you said, pray to God, like it's mm-hmm. God's will to will, you know, yes. that we spend time with him and that we do the work for his good pleasure. So, so we need to ask him for that. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So how many times have you quoted this to your kids? (gasps) (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've admitted on here that I think this is the first or second Bible verse that I taught them. Yeah, yeah. I think I've quoted it to myself a few times. Uh, Yes. But I think it's important that we look past verse 14 when we're actually explaining to them what they means, Mm -hmm. what it means as they get older, you know, when they're little, it's like, just don't grumble and complain. But as they get older, I think it's important for them to know why we shouldn't complain and Mm -hmm. why we shouldn't grumble. Um, It is to show thankfulness. You know, we're supposed to be thankful. We have talked about humility, you know, having that humble heart, not being proud. But I think that, in verse 15, the purpose that Paul is referring to here is that so we will be a light to the world mm-hmm. um, because most people do complain and grumble about everything. Right. So when they see someone that's not, when they see someone that is is that light shining because because you're positive, you're thankful, when things get tough, you're not you're not complaining about it. That's something different. And people are going to be like, wait, what is it that they have? Mm-hmm. I need some of that. Yeah, I like, I don't remember what other translation I have here. It might be NIV, but it says that you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. I saw which that, yeah. It sounds even cooler to me yes. than light because sometimes yes. light is too bright. Or, I want to be a star. Yeah, stars are just always <laughs> beautiful, right? Yes. And I think, you know, obviously we can think about this for our kids, but also for ourselves. And, and that right now we're in such a culture of comparison. And like if you think about social media, and this is not a knock on social media, I think social media is a great tool that the Lord uses. Um, Um, to spread his kingdom, but we're constantly being forced to look at other people's highlight reels, right? Like don't compare yourself to other people's highlight reels and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's easy for us to fall into that trap um, of comparison, which then leads to complaining. But one question I think we need to stop and really ask ourselves, and, and this might be real deep for you, but if you have to stop and ask yourself, do you truly believe that God is good? Like in the core of everything you believe, do you believe that he is good? Do you believe, like it says in the Bible, that um, he works all things for your good and his glory? Like, do you actually believe that? Not like, yes, you would just write that on your Sunday school answer, but do you truly believe that at the core of all that you are? Do you believe that he is sovereign, like we've been talking about? He is sovereign. He is in control of all things and that he loves us and that we, he does all things for our good and his glory. Do we truly believe that? Because if we truly believe that, we can trust him with everything with every lack we have, with every longing we have, with every good gift that we have, we can trust him with it. We can trust him with um, everything. And if we can trust him with it, then we don't have to question it. That's right. We don't have to question our circumstances. We don't have to question why 
why am I struggling with this? Why have you not answered this prayer, Lord? Why have you not healed this person, God? Why have you not done this? All the things that we find ourselves grumbling and complaining about. If we trust God, then we don't have to complain about those things. And we just we need to remind ourselves of the gospel and we need to remind ourselves of Romans 8:28 that we know that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his pur- purpose because we have to remind ourselves because if we're not reminding ourselves we will fall right back into that trap of grumbling and complaining but if we remind ourselves that God is good and we can trust him then it'll free us from that trap of comparison and free us from that um that falling back into complaining and allow us to be grateful for all the things that God has given us which that gratitude like you're saying is what will make us Mm -hmm. shine like the stars yeah for sure. I think there's also um, an element of humility to it. Yeah. I heard someone say that if you're humble, you won't have anything to complain about. Right. And I was like, oh, that's true. I think so much of our complaining comes from our pride. Entitlement. Entitlement, um, wanting to be in control, mm-hmm. all of those things. So if we humble ourselves, we don't humble ourselves, God will humble us. <laughs> Look at Paul. Yeah. Um, so if we if we make sure we're humble, then that will take away a big piece of that grumbling and complaining. That's such, such a good point because if we really are reminding ourselves of the gospel of the fact that we are horrible sinners in need of a savior, if we are seeing ourselves in the right um, standing of the fact that we can't do this on mm-hmm. our own and that we are sinners and we are dead in our sins, we are. that how can you complain about anything? Because we you don't are, deserve anything. Right, right. We don't we deserve, deserve anything. Exactly. We deserve death. Right. And so we really don't have anything to That's complain right. about when you think about it like that. That's right. So verse 17 and 18 says, Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So I think here Paul is just encouraging his friends and telling him that, yes, he is suffering for them. But even through that, he will rejoice in that they should as well. Um, I think that the Philippians obviously cared a lot about Paul, and it was probably painful for them to see him suffering. And it it um, is kind of referencing the fact that he's in in jail because of them for one reason or another, because of, um, I, I don't know. We're not exactly sure why he's in jail, where he's in jail at this point. We know some of the places he was in jail, but we're not sure where he was writing this letter from exactly. But whatever it is, it leads us to believe that there would be a reason that maybe they would feel kind of bad about the fact that he's in jail. Um, but he's telling them to just stay focused and to mm-hmm. not worry about that. He doesn't care. Like he is happy to be suffering for the gospel and he wants them to to not worry about him, but to focus on spreading the good news of the gospel as well. And I like how he says rejoice twice in those Mm -hmm. verses, because I think he understands, and this is, this is just my personal opinion, but I think he sees the fact that it is joy that draws a lot of people to Jesus and that, um, to remind them that, you know, that humility and that it's not about our circumstances, but that joy, as we'll talk about through, as we go throughout the chapters, that, that God uses joy. Oh, he does. He uses it to draw people in. He really does. All right, so verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may, I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. 
I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So here we see once again just how much Paul loves these people, just Mm -hmm. how much he loves the church. He's sending Timothy to them because he knows that Timothy cares too. Timothy is someone that he trusts. Timothy is someone that he loves, and um, he's humble. Timothy's humble. He knows that when he, um, on his trip, and he, when he gets there, he won't be thinking about himself. He'll only be thinking about the purpose that he's there, which is is to deliver this letter to the Philippians and, and then to bring back news to Paul. He knows that he will not be self-centered in this mission that he's sending him on. So keep going in 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So there's a few different things here. Um, We see, once again, like I said in the previous passage, just how much they cared for one another. But I think we see a pretty typical friendship here because we see that the Philippians were really worried because they had heard that Epaphroditus was sick. But then Epaphroditus was worried that they were worried. <laughs> and I, I'm like, are, are these women that we're talking about? Like, it, I really, that crossed my mind because I was like, we don't see this as much with with men, I don't feel like. But I feel like that's very much how our relationships that's as funny. women are. Like, when it's someone you really care about, like, say Aaron was sick. I, well, this actually has happened. <laughs> like, when Aaron, I, there have been times that I've told her, like, you need to slow down, woman. Like, if she's not feeling well or if she's going, you know, running too hard or whatever and I'm not talking about like physically running I'm talking just about like <laughs> well, in could life be that too. it could be that it could be that too but like in life like she's just going 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 I'm like I'm worried about you I want you to chill out I think you need to chill out but then she turns to me and she's like you don't need to worry about me like there's no reason to worry about me I'm gonna be worried that you're worried about me so I think this is kind of what we see here and so it just shows that deep friendship because I'm mm-hmm. not like that with everybody I'm like that with Aaron because I genuinely care we mm-hmm. have this friendship and we know each other. We know each other well. And so I think that that just shows kind of the, the friendship that they all had. Um, and then I think that also we just see the way that Paul is describing Epaphroditus. So do you have something that you wanted to talk about there a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I think it's um, sometimes we read these things and we think, okay, this part doesn't apply to us because he's talking about certain people during that time that we don't really know. He's just wanting the Philippians to know that he's fine. But no, there is stuff that we can draw from this. There's stuff we can learn about God. There's stuff we can learn about ourselves. There's stuff we can apply to our lives. Our three questions that we talked about last week. And and one thing I think is fun to kind of do with this, a kind of little, um, I don't want to say it's a drill. It's not a drill, but like a little fun thing to do. Yeah. I don't know what the Activity. name for that is. Activity. Okay. <laughs> so we see these ways. He describes them differently, right? Like he describes mm-hmm. Paul I mean, Paul describes Timothy one way, and then he describes Epaphroditus a different way. And I think it's fun for us to kind of stop, and it's a, it's a good thing for us to do reflectively. Like, how would Paul describe you if he was writing, you know, to your family, to your friends, saying, you know, this is my friend Casey, and she is what? Like, how would we want, how would you want Paul to, to describe you? 
I mean, I would want him to describe me as humble, mm. um, as, you know, a fellow sister in, in spreading the gospel. That's how I would want him to describe me. I don't know that he always would, but that would be my desire. Yeah. yeah. And I think, so the next question naturally then is, what are you doing like every day that, that would make him describe you that way? Because we have these ideas, you know, that we might think, and some people ask this as like their tombstone question, like, what would you want your tombstone <laughs> yeah. to say or your eulogy yeah. or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to think about death. So I'm just going to say <laughs> it like this. If someone was writing a letter about you, yeah. what would you it's want good. it to say? And and we think, okay, here's what I would want it to say is these three things about me, whatever they are. I'm joyful. Okay. But then if you look at your life and you think, okay, let's just talk about yesterday. What was something you did or could have done that would show people oh, I'm going to write that Casey is humble. And and I don't want this to sound like some legalistic type thing because right. that's not that's not what it's about. But I think sometimes it is good for us to be reflective and mm-hmm. to think back, okay, I want to be known as um, partners in the gospel. What am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing this month that, that does, you know, kind of make that true, mm-hmm. that I am partners in the gospel? And maybe it's, you know, reading the Bible to your kids. Maybe it's talking to someone in your class about Jesus. Maybe, you know, it could be all sorts of different things, but I think sometimes it's good to give us that kind of plumb line or that remembrance of my purpose in life is to, to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind and to go and share the gospel and to love people. And so what are the, what are the things that I'm doing to, to kind of live out that calling on my life? Yeah, I think when we're thinking about, like, practical ways to mm-hmm. get there, I think we would all, I mean, we've talked about this letter, but the Bible specifically calls us to be humble. And so when we're talking about practical ways to be humble, um, I was listening to a sermon yesterday, and he was talking about, do you do things that are unpleasant so other people don't have to? Ooh. And that kind of, yeah. That really, like, got me in the gut. <laughs> like, he was talking about um, the worship pastor at their church. He said the way their parking lot is, there's a place where when it rains, there's always, like, this huge puddle. Like, mm. he described it as more of a pond than a puddle. <laughs> like, I don't know, dramatic much, maybe. But, so, anyway, every time it rains, their worship pastor, who gets up on stage and leads worship, right. goes and parks in that puddle. Wow. And he had he has to wade through, like, six inches of water <laughs> to get out of this little puddle to get into the church. And he's mm. about to be up on stage yeah. singing. But he does it. So other people don't yeah. have to. Ooh, that's good. And I was like, oh, my word. Like, that really, just putting it that way mm-hmm. made me think. He also mentioned, you know, are you looking around and seeing other people around you? Do you see them as people with souls? Mm. Like that person serving you at that restaurant. Mm. Are you like, give me my water. Get me my chips and salsa. Oh, the, the salsa's not right. Oh, you know, I don't have enough ice in my water. Where's my lemon? Like, are you talking to them mm. like they're servants? Oh, I mean, even servant, like, even back in the day, like, servants had souls. Like, yeah. are you talking to them like they're an animal? Right. Or are you talking to them like they are made in the image of God? Right. Imago Dei. I mean, so important. that, that They're the same as you and I. Like, they're, peop- they're image bearers of mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And so many times, I think, um, you know, we don't think we... <sighs> I have a tendency to say, well, like, I'm not a proud person. But then when it comes down to it, and I think of things like this, mm-hmm. like these practical things, how I treat people, you know, just the people I run into day to day. Am I doing things that are unpleasant so other people don't have to? 
pride comes down to a control thing. And we've talked about before, like I have major type A control issues. I've never thought of my control issues as being a pride issue. Mm. And I'm like, wow, you know, that, that is really, that's really convicting. Yeah. So I really like that one about, are you doing things that are unpleasant so other people yes. don't have to? Oh my goodness. Cause we're constantly avoiding right. unpleasant things. Right. But when it comes down to it and you think about it, well, a lot of times someone's going to have to do it. Right. I mean. And you're like, I'm worthy. I don't right. have to do it. Right. Oh, that's Very good. Convicting. That's good. So here's another little, little, um, interesting thing that I feel like I need to talk about because it was brought up twice this past week. So I'm like, I feel like the Lord's saying, Casey, you need to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about this a little (laughs) bit. Jonathan brought this up. And then I was also reading about it in a commentary about um, Epaphroditus being sick. And we had seen, uh, I believe it's in Acts, we see where Paul had been given, you know, like apostolic authority. Like he was able to raise someone from the dead. And as I was reading about it, it was actually someone that like fell asleep while he was preaching and like fell out a window or something. (laughs) (laughs) And then he was like able to raise him from the dead. And that kind of made me laugh a little bit. That's what it said in my commentary. But, um, so Paul was able to raise him through the power of the Holy Spirit. He raised him to life. So we've seen Paul do this before. It's easy to think, well, why didn't Paul just, you know, hit Epaphroditus on the head and mm. say, be healed? Mm. So this is just um, further evidence of God's sovereignty. And um, this is not this, you know, this episode is not about sign gifts and all of that stuff at all, but just to throw it in there, like these gifts, these, um, these sign gifts that God had given some people, they were only able to be used according to God's will and God's Mm -hmm. timing, just Mm -hmm. like everything in life. This is just further evidence of his sovereignty Mm -hmm. and that, you know, God healed him. God could have chosen to use Paul to heal him, but he didn't. He did it in his own time and his own way. So that's good. I wouldn't have picked up on that. I loved chapter two. So good. I did. It's kind of sad that we're already halfway through. I know. Isn't this crazy? (laughs) So crazy. It's really crazy. So just a reminder, between now and next episode, try to spend some time in Chapter 3, whether that's listening to it audibly, going through the um, resource that we have in our resources that walks you through studying it inductively, or just answering those three questions. What is it? What do I learn about God? What do I learn about myself? How can I apply this to my life? Um, And then we will see you next week, and we'll give you a little teaser. This is Philippians 3.9. You're to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb.